Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Shut up and sit down. which is why there was absolutely no warning for this. In fact, I actually dialed into the radio show 20 seconds before it started. So this is just just pure irritation on my part. So, you know, I'm not going to say anything for a little bit because people might be trying to log in or whatever. Anyway, I have something to bitch about. And I've been – my problem is is that I don't – engage trolls. I delete them and I move on. But then lately I've been doing it. I've been responding to trolls on my on my site because I just got fed up. And the end result is, is I have this asshole from Australia who keeps emailing me these stupid long emails that are so fucking infuriating that I want to get on a plane and go to Australia. But I can't get on a plane and go to Australia. Number one, it's expensive. Okay, so, you know, I'm just, there's nobody in my chat room, but I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to not be, I already posted one thing on my live journal about him, Brad, and I responded to his ridiculous email. I did. I responded, and he sent back this ridiculous, stupid, foolish email, and I responded with one word, no. Well, he did it again. He emailed me again. And it's it's so fucking infuriating. It's so fucking infuriating. When... You encounter someone who refuses to believe you don't want to hear what they have to say. That they're so arrogant that they assume you have no right to not want their opinion. It is fucking infuriating. And I just I think to myself, you know... You know, let me quote to you what he said. Uh, Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, God. Uh, I told him in the email that I sent him that he had basically no business giving me writing advice because he's not a writer. Uh... 
and he responds with this. A classic defense by losers I've met in the HP fandom. It's not the source that counts. It's it's not the source that counts. It's the content. <sighs> That's right. He called the Harry Potter fandom... Well, not all of them. Not everybody in the not Brad doesn't think we're all losers. But if you're in the Harry Potter fandom, there isn't. There could be a um, a uh, an indication that Brad thinks you're a loser. I'm just you know just saying. I don't know for sure. I mean, fuck that. I don't even know. I don't even know. I just his email is so condescending. And full of mansplaining, and it's so, so sexist. Oh God, there's just some kind of patronizing, oh, undertone to what he's saying that is so fucking infuriating. I want to reach through my computer and smack him in his whole face, which I know is the point. I know he did this on purpose, to piss me off, right? And he wants me to be angry and upset, and here I am, angry and upset, because some fucking asshole who lives in Australia who has absolutely no bearing whatsoever on my entire goddamn life, and yet here I am, bitching about this fucking asshole, and... It's so weird to have a radio show with an empty chat room. I'm going to put that out there. I, uh... Had no idea I put that much um, focus on um, the people in the chat room, and uh, until just now, because it's 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 empty in there, <laughs> and I don't know um, what to do about um, this. I I'm so angry that it's ugly, and the thing is, is I'm thinking to myself, actually, it's so ugly how I feel that about 20 minutes in um, to uh, my angry, pissed off thing that I wanted to take my whole site members only just because I'm mad at this bastard out of Australia. I mean, just to get at him. I want to take my whole site private. So he can't read it. And and that's when I realized just how much I'd let this dickless wonder get to me. And I hate that. I hate that I stood up for myself and this is what he responded with. And I gave him the power to make me mad. And I am Yes, I am fucking furious. And once you get that mad, you can't really do anything about it but be mad. And I think to myself, no, you should, you know, calm down. You should let this jerk-ass, jerk-fucking mother, stupid motherfucker get to you, right? You shouldn't let him get to you, but I let him get to me. And now I'm just, I'm so mad that... Of course he's not worth the stress, Sybil. Sybil's now in my chat room. He's not worth the stress. He really isn't. But once you get this mad, there's no coming back from it. 
You know, it isn't like you can just turn it off and say, oh, I shouldn't be mad because he's not worth it. Of course he's not worth it. He's not even fucking worth me reading his goddamn emails. And, but yet I do. I read his stupid goddamn emails, and he's not even worth that. He's a total fucking waste of my time. And yet here I am in the middle of the night, fucking furious and Even though I know, I know he's not worth it. And I assume that he's probably going to enjoy this. He's going to enjoy that I'm mad, that he, you know, he gets off on this kind of foolish behavior because he's a fucking troll. I get it. But yet here I am, so mad that if I lived, like, I would go to his house. I mean, I mean, that's how just, and it's stupid. It is stupid to be this angry at somebody who doesn't even like he has zero impact zero impact on my life right zero um and yet i i let him make me this mad and let me tell you what brad emailed me <sighs> So he sent me this big stupid email that I did not share with you guys. Um and um I basically uh just wrote back no. I wrote no in an email to him and that's all I said because I wasn't interested in engaging with him and I wasn't interested in defending myself um against his bullshit because he does not matter. He literally doesn't matter, right? And so and then I get this email from him where he claims he's won our argument except I wasn't having an argument with him. Um and he told me I was silly for responding with no and it <coughs> Then he says this, you really must understand your denial means absolutely nothing to me, to anyone, given as it has no reasoning behind it. And that's when I got mad, because I realized he's one of those men. You know, one of those men you tell no, and then he demands an explanation like he's entitled to one? Like you just can't say no to him. You have to say no and then because, because he deserves an explanation as to why he's being um, rejected or told no. And it was so fucking infuriating because he's not entitled to a reason. I gave him one. Oh, I did. Because I got so mad I couldn't help myself, which of course is what he wanted. But then he said this. To anyone given, okay, what he says is no... Okay, then finally the word itself, no. Really, you must understand your denial means absolutely nothing to me, to anyone, given as it has no reasoning behind it. Most silly people who just don't have the intellectual courage to admit to being wrong would simply not reply or otherwise descend into further attacks. But you instead say no. Is that the the prima donna Aspect of personality coming into play, I wonder. Are you accustomed to minions falling into line at your pronouncement? And I responded with this. You said you don't want attention, but you obviously want mine. 
You didn't win anything. You're an arrogant, ignorant prick. Defending myself against your stupidity is a waste of time, so I won't. I said no because I'm done. You have absolutely nothing of value to say, and I have no interest in engaging you in conversation, so fuck off. I have put him on spam, right, because he's not worth my time, and he isn't even worth getting angry about. But once you're here, once you're in this place, you just can't stop it. So I'm entitled to be mad, and I'm going to fucking be mad. <clears throat> and, you know, it's just because this is the – he's an example. He's an, And I wonder how many people in the Harry Potter fandom he's done this to. There can't even be – I mean, there's no telling how many there have been. There, there's just no telling. Um, uh It was either get on my radio show and bitch about him or put his email address on my live journal. I might do that anyway. Just out of pure fucking spite. Because I'm tired. I'm I'm tired of him thinking it's perfectly okay for him to tell me I'm a loser and I'm ignorant. I, actually, I called him ignorant. My bad. Um, I'm arrogant and I'm a prima donna and I'm a loser for not wanting his advice and I'm silly um, for not engaging him, and to see what else did he call me, um, uh, just, you know, just, well, I have an, an out-of-control ego, and I'm super sensitive to criticism, it isn't the criticism that bothers me, I don't actually care that he didn't agree with me, what I cared about was his utter, complete lack of respect for my space. That's what bothered me. And then when I removed him from my site so he couldn't continue to contaminate my space, he intruded on me by sending me an email. I'm just saying. But then this is also the same man who called me a specimen. Right? It's like I'm not even a fucking human being over here. <clears throat> but you know what? You know what? More than than this is that he represents the kind of men that we encounter all the time. Yes, there are great guys out there. There are great men, you know, who aren't condescending, who aren't arrogant pieces of shit who think they're entitled to an explanation when they get told no. And then there are men like Brad who thinks that a woman who tells him no owes him an explanation and uh, thinks that a woman who doesn't take his advice is an arrogant loser and thinks that he's entitled to give his advice and the rest of us just have to take it because of course he's right and we're all wrong. And so yes, 
ignoring trolls is the best policy. I agree. I've been doing it for years, but lately I haven't been doing it, and I don't know why. It's because maybe it's just like it's just piled up so much. There's just so much that you can take from these people before you can't help but but respond. And, And really, how much should I have to take? How much crap should I have to take on my own goddamn space before I respond? How much bullshit do I have to put up with on my own site before I say, you know what, fuck you. I don't want you on my site anymore. Well, I'm going to go with zero from now on. I'm not taking any of their shit anymore. Period. I'm done with that. I just <laughs> I just clicked on a link as Azor put in the chat room. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was pretty funny, Azor. Thanks. Uh <clears throat> like I needed a Santa shaking his ass at me like that. That was yeah. But you know, here's the thing about it is like, okay, you know, they say ignore the trolls, don't respond to the trolls, don't feed the trolls. You know, okay. Don't do that. You don't do that, and you don't do it. And it just builds up on you until you just you're just drowning in this negative bullshit that you're not supposed to respond to because you're supposed to be a, because you're because you're supposed to be above it, right? You're supposed to not respond. Well, I'm honestly not built that way. Um, I don't see how I I don't see how he hasn't driven people out of the Harry Potter fandom to be perfectly honest. Because I can imagine some young writer getting an email like this from somebody and just falling to pieces because his arrogance is so entitled like you know what, I'm going to post these emails on my live journal so you bitches can read this because um, I'm going to update the Brad thread with, uh, I don't know, hold on. Um, (coughs) It's just, I'm going to do a Brad part too because that way it it, it doesn't get these things confused. Um, Brad too, okay. So, you know, I... uh, there's that first email. Anyways. You know, you want to not respond. You want to be above it. You want, and it's like, but then you can't because they're so stupid, defies imagination. I mean, it's just like, it's just so fucking infuriating that it it literally blows your mind. I mean, it's like, there's just no, 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's easy to say. You know, and I've told people, I've told people to ignore this crap. I just ignore him. Just, just ignore that it's happening because you can't reason with a troll. You can't. Um, you can't reason with one of these assholes because they're not reasonable, and they keep engaging you until you do lose your temper, like I have, and then I'm. I'm just I'm stuck with it, you know. I'm uh I'm 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 stuck with this this infinite fury because I can't really do anything to him. You know, cuz he's this is this crossed the line actually into what I consider harassment and I still have no recourse cuz he's not just a troll because he just didn't do it on my site. He emailed me Oh, I emailed him first. I emailed him off-site and asked him and, and told him my site rules that I didn't allow c- constructive criticism, and that was it. That was all I said. And of course, that was just like um, apparently the most offensive thing he's ever heard in his life. Okay, so I'm gonna post these emails to my page, and it's called mm, emails from Brad. And that is the whole exchange right there, the whole thing. And his email's not on his, his email address isn't on here. Um, but if he emails me again, um, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you because I'm, 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 I'm done with him. And so, if you guys want to harass this guy off the internet, I don't even give a shit. I'm past caring. I'm past caring. Um, uh, because... <clears throat> he likes trolling. Apparently it's his favorite thing to do. I'm, I'm not the first victim of his trolling. Anyway, it's called Emails from Brad, and it's on my live journal, and I will put it on my description of my radio show. I find out where my fucking radio show is. <coughs> I just No, really, he acted like I had never ever like I was just like the worst thing that had ever happened to him in the Harry Potter fandom. And I'm thinking to myself, if that's true, then um I'm a lot more badass than practically everybody in the Harry Potter fandom. And and, and that can't be true. I can't be the first person to say, hey, I don't actually appreciate your bullshit. So, anyways... And I am pissed off. And I'm, you know, uh, you can talk about taking the high ground and and not being pissed off and um just that's easy to say it's not easy to do It's really not easy to do. Hello. This is Lady Holder, you guys. 
she never introduces yes. herself properly. No, I am. I'm Lady Holder. I'm sorry. I figured by now they all know my voice. If they don't, oh well, they'll figure it out. Damn. I mean, it's, yeah. have some what? fucking decorum. <laughs> Since I think really? I always use the word fuck <laughs> like 300 times <laughs> in the first 15 minutes of this show. You guys missed the you first four or five minutes because I started it like in 30 seconds. I went from having no oh, radio God. show to being on the air in like under a minute. I mean, because I was God so mad. Damn. I, well, I, I, I checked my email or my, my Facebook, and I saw the post, and I was in chat, which is weird because I don't normally get in it because I figure all these people are big people and don't need me to police them. And I saw the, the, the thing. I, I went and grabbed my headphones, damn near slipping and sliding, and put them on, dialed in, got <coughs> onto the, on the chat, dropped the link in there because Azura asked, and have been announcing it all over Facebook, telling people to get on the goddamn show. <laughs> I'm just, you know, it's just an instant theory. I mean, it was just fucking aneurysm over here. I mean, I just... Oh, you yeah. Did you read the exchange? Go over to my fucking live journal mm-hmm. and read that bullshit. I, I read it. He he looks like mm. you know what? I'm absolutely willing to bet and it and it it says something really bad to me is that he looks for these things, he looks for the people he argues with who will argue with him because there's 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 too much smug satisfaction in this. I'm absolutely willing he to is bet smug. That he's the type Yes. He he sounds like as I'm reading this, he sounds like the type of guy who he's getting hard off of it. He thinks this is great. He thinks this is foreplay. Okay. And now the thing is, I like to argue too, but there's a big difference between yes. how I like to argue and, and what this dude's doing because um, you and I are, you and I have <coughs> interesting conversations all the time. Neither of us gets, gets enthused about it in that direction. He has okay. no. Um, Respect. I'm sorry, one of those last, yeah, no, he doesn't, but one of those last conversations, it sounded like, as I'm reading this, as if he was getting off on it. Now, whether it's mentally or physically or both, but he was getting off on, on your conversation, and that's just fucking sick. But you know what, though? You know what's really interesting is that I do think someone earlier on the first Brad post pointed out that um, he uses big words to sound intelligent. And it takes him two or three days to respond to my emails, um, to that email where I just said no. It took him like three days to respond or something like that. I mean, it was like (laughs) it wasn't an instant response. So I'm thinking, just how much time have you invested in this dude? Yeah, I know. He he just, oh, God. You know... I deal with people all day long who tell me, who tell me that I need to find a real job, who tell me that um, I'm I'm a horrible person, I I'm you know evil and nasty, and um, I do things that you know don't you know you hurt people and blah 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 blah. Yes. And Cass is right. He keeps a thesaurus in one hand. Oh, well, then what's he typing with? What the fuck do I... No, he's not typing with his toes. Um, <laughs> Cass states he keeps a thesaurus in one hand and his prick in the other. 
he can find it. You know what I picture, and this is terrible and ugly, but, you know, some Mm -hmm. old dude living in his basement, his his Mm -hmm. mom's basement, jerking off in a pair of tidy whities. I'm I'm absolutely willing to bet he's not old. Oh, no, I disagree with this, because I'm going to tell you right now, almost every single reader I have that's a Harry Potter, um, Harry Hermione fan, because he is a uh-huh. Harry Hermione fan. Uh-huh. They're not young dudes. They're these are not young men. These are men in their fifties and sixties. Oh, who are extremely interested in Emma Watson. Oh, that just made me nauseous. <clears throat> he said he'd been in the fandom for like ten years. Or something like that. So no, this isn't a young man. This is this is this is, this is not a young young man. This is an older man who um, <laughs> who's very used to women um, not arguing with him, and and okay. who accepts his um, his word as law. Oh, what are you what are you willing to bet he's highly into whatever his church or or willing to bet it's his church? But you know he he's one of those people who is there for every single service. And every single thing, and, and it's creepy. And by the way, Azure, yes, I do hurt people, but um, I don't hurt them by what, uh, by writing hot uh, through some werewolf sex. <laughs> no, that wasn't painful. No. But no, I do. You know, he does um, go out of his way to sound intelligent. Uh huh. Yeah, I um right as you as you button as as you you know hit the button to let me on, I was finishing up my email to the to the site because yeah whatever. When we have another caller here. Oh really? Who? You're on the air with Kara. Who is this? Hello. Hi. It's my Kaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, see, no. it's Kaz. It's Kaz. Hi, Kaz. How are you guys doing? Kaz. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, Kaz okay. won a Surface Pro on Facebook last week. Woo! Yeah, through um, uh, Buzzy Media, Multimedia. Multimedia. <coughs> oh, oh cool. I know. What's funny is I just got a, uh, rented a laptop from Easy Rental. So I can do music videos, and I got that. I was like, "Do I want to keep the laptop I'm running now?" Yeah, because I still want to do the music videos. <laughs> well, you're. Yeah, I think the Surface Pro is supposed to be just like a um, computer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think it's only 64 gig hard drives, though. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be ripping on all these movies and everything. Uh, I don't know if it'll handle my software because I use Megas um, Pro. And I really want to do these Harry Potter music videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, great. You know what? Get what you want. Yeah. I think it's an awesome win. They're really super oh, light. Yeah. You can carry it with you wherever you go. It'll be, it'll be fun. I know. You know, just... I, I, I was so, so proud. I was like, wait a minute. Is this a scam? Then I looked at uh, the email address. I was like, nope. 
it's part of my evidence, but holy shit, I actually won. <laughs> Congratulations, like, you know. congratulations. I know. I was like, oh, my God, this is like, the, uh, this, you know, it's like the only business gift I'll be getting. And I was like, yes, I'm glad I um, let myself enter. Hey, fate got you a, a good Christmas present, so go for that. I was doing the Snoopy Happy Dance. <laughs> awesome. It's super awesome. Um now you know you know the thing is is yes you know just reading those emails he's he's very condescending and um, mm-hmm. ugly it's ugly I mean his yeah, behavior is. is is arrogant <laughs> and the fact the fact of the matter is is I would say this if my husband spoke to me the way this asshole was speaking to me I would consider it abusive yeah that's what reminded the way he words his email my ex husband. He was dumber than a box of rocks, but he knew how to use his words to make me feel like I was only half inch tall. And the way this guy is wording his emails to you, it reminds me of my ex-husband, and I got rid of that asshole. And and so I'm just having this reaction like, this guy has to die. He has to die slowly. He has to drown in his own blood. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh. It's a shame he's in Australia because, you know, cut off his dick and shove it down his throat, man. I got minions in Australia. It needs to be pointed out that my biggest minion is in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) And they have so many dangerous critters there. (laughs) It's just, you know, the thing is, is, um, Uh, it's not so much, it's not so much that I got... It's Chat, not so much that it's um, um, him in particular. It's that whole attitude of male entitlement that really, it, it made me so angry. My vision, I mean, I kind of got dark over here for a second, and I couldn't see. Oh, yeah, because you're, you're the little woman. You don't know what you what your own mind says, you know? Only, you can only know what, you know, the big, strong, strapping guy wants you to know. So fuck that, man. <laughs> That's the attitude, and you know, it just pisses you off, man. <laughs> I don't even. It's just. Um, I was going to say. I have a real problem with entitlement. Mhm. Oh yeah. There, there's a level of of. Just because he's male, that that uh, that's it seems to be because he's male. He thinks he should be able to get away with this. By the way, what what I was kind of say is, Barbara uh, on chat commented that from what she's seeing, he this guy used to troll uh, the DS tra- uh, chat rooms that there were that used to be around. Um. She says his, his writing sounds very familiar. So he's been doing this for a very long time. He's he's been he's been basically torturing anybody he can get his hands on. Okay, and you're not playing his tune, and that's driving him ape. I can just imagine some little kid just starting into writing, 
and they get an email or a comment from this fucker. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're never going to write again. He, he would destroy any type of creativity a kid is going to have. <coughs> this is exactly right. This is exactly right. This is exactly the kind of person that comes into a fandom and could literally destroy a, a new writer. And I find that infuriating. Well, hell, it would even affect the, you know, the outside of the fandom, affect their self esteem in the real mm-hmm. life. And. Yeah, this is definitely the dude that somebody writes into a, um that writes Dear Abby about. Dear Abby, mm-hmm. my coworker treats me so condescendingly. Oh yeah. Dear Abby, this guy uh seems to be happiest when he's destroying everybody else's self confidence. Yeah. Dear Prudy, this arrogant prick I work for work with for for <clears throat> Thinks he's entitled to an explanation, and then you know what this is. This is this is this is like leftover fury from my youth. When I was very young, um, I uh, I had okay. This is this is terribly snotty. I'm going to confess this. I did not date often. I dated only a certain kind of man. Um, he had to be educated. Because I, I can't, I'm not somebody who can talk about wrestling all day. I can talk about wrestling because my parents love that shit. So I can talk about it, <laughs> but it can't be the whole conversation, you know. I I, I needed somebody prefer, that I could talk to, to with something. Just because you prefer my, somebody who, who's who's educated does not make you snotty. Okay. It gets, it it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. Oh, God. Um, okay. <laughs> He had to be educated, and I'm not talking about, talking about a degree. He could have been self-educated. I, I dated a guy who went to trade school, and he was actually a um, a, uh, a mechanic by trade who was very intelligent. So it was, it, so it it wasn't about um, a college degree. It was about being able to have a conversation with me about something besides what you know sports. Um, he couldn't have been married. I didn't date men who had an ex-wife, and I didn't date men who had children. Because, frankly, there is nothing worse than a, than a baby's mama, and I did not want one in my life. So, Okay, so you have standards. That doesn't sound too horrible right? to me. So when a man would approach me who could not meet this basic burden, I would tell them no. And there wouldn't be a conversation from my point of view. It was a no, and I would move on. But from their point of view, they were entitled to a reason. I had to give them an excuse for telling them no. I wasn't allowed to give them a rejection without there being some kind of excuse for my lack of interest in their dick. Because let's be honest, when a man rolls up on you in a bar or a club or on the street and cat calls you, what he's really doing is selling you his dick. Hey, look at my dick. I'd like you to when have my I, dick. When I was in these mechanics in Job Corps, okay, I was the only female in there. And I would get these guys that like, oh, you just in here to meet a guy. I'm like, 
screw you dudes. I'm here because I love the smell of a damn diesel shop. Uh, <laughs> I do. I really do. Uh, but I would get in there and I would blow their minds because I, could, I would get in there and I'd rebuild an engine just as easy as they did. And, but a lot of these guys, they still had the attitude of, oh, you're just a girl. You can't really do this until they saw me rebuild a greater engine. Then they shut up. And mm-hmm. I had one teacher. He was Mormon. He would dock me points constantly for the littlest infractions just because I was female. He told me it was not my place to be in a man's world. I was like, who made that rule? He said, it's in the Bible. I said, no, it ain't. You have a different Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because thou shalt not work on diesel engines was not in the Bible. Yeah. Not so much. Well, I've read the Bible. Obeying men, my Bible. <laughs> you know, but I would, I'd shut all the boys up because I would get out there and do the work just as hard as them. And the, a lot of them actually changed their attitudes towards females just by being near, you know, exposed to my attitude. When it came to sometimes education works, yeah, and and then there's other people. Yeah, some of them. Or and I had a boyfriend. He he got kicked off. And I was like, yeah, I broke up with him. I was like, I ain't gonna uh, listen to this attitude. Just because you know I'm dating you doesn't mean you have to have you know you have to be this big protective dude, you know, over guys joking with me. Saying how it works. He ended up changing his attitude soon. <laughs> but men, you know, there are a certain there are a certain sector of men. Um, it crosses all economic status, race, economic status, everything. It crosses all of this, and it is they have this common belief that they are entitled to um, better jobs, uh, more money, more status, uh, you know, just because they're male. Let's call it dick privilege. Yeah. They have one that should get them everything they want. This dick privilege also translates into, I want to date you, you can't tell me no. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm a man, tried, I'm right and you're wrong. I tried to raise my nephews not to have that attitude, and I think it worked pretty well. They um, seem to treat, you know, females, well, not completely respectful because they're still punks, but better than most guys do at that age. You know, they don't think, oh, that's just a girlfriend, this is a guy thing. So It boils down to these men who think who you know what we live in a society where being called a girl is an insult. Yeah, it seems as weak. You're a pussy. Damn. Yeah, that's, that's a, a damning a insult for um, men to be called a pussy. Mhm. Because apparently no it's so heinous and terrible and wrong 
to be a woman, that to be called one is the most insulting thing most men believe is possible. You want to insult a man? Call him a woman. Mm-hmm. I've seen guys get ballistic if they're called a pussy. I have too. I mean, it's just like Hulk smash kind of anger, you know? Yeah, yeah, because it's so terrible, right? It's so terrible to be a woman. Well, in some of the societies we've got running around this planet, it is so damn terrible to be a woman. To be a woman in some of the places on this planet, I wouldn't want to be, okay? I'm very happy that I live in the West, okay? I grow a dick. Most of of Africa, no, I'd find a way to grow a dick. No, I will grow a dick. Um, it does. Okay, Barbara says. Barbara says in the chat room about this guy that used to be in the the DS mm-hmm. chat rooms. And for those of you who don't know what DS means, and I'm could be a few of you on my radio show who don't know. I don't know how. The D. Yeah, you'd be surprised. D slash S. Um, it stands for dominance and submission, um, or dominant and submissive, depending on the situation mm-hmm. um and most of the time in situations like that the dominant the d is always capitalized and the s is always lowercase that is not um meant to be derogatory it's just a a um an, an indication of dominance and submission and, and submission it's it's not an insult or a, and in some cases in some fiction you'll see submissives names are done in lowercase to also demonstrate mm-hmm. that. And it's not meant to be derogatory. It's just a um a method of of determining a character's position in the relationship or in the story. Um but regardless, um Barbara says that this person who was in the chat room who sounds a lot like Brad, he used to ask he used to ask if any of us wrote and then demand we write stories for him, then get furious and abusive when we told him no. That's what men like him do. If if this isn't the same man, if it's just a different man, they're all cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Do what I say or else. And, you know, it also could be yeah. that. Because earlier in the week, I did encounter um, a, a man who, who definitely needed to check his dick privilege. Um because uh, he thought he was entitled to something that I'd put in my cart in the grocery store and actually followed me around the store and oh, demanded God. it. And he said, you're going to give me that or, or else. Or else what, motherfucker? I would, if I had yeah. pepper, spray, pepper sprayed his ass, think possibility. Officer, he threatened I... me. And it's too bad it yeah. wasn't in the store that you have the um, safety word or safety phrase. Yes, that that I wanted you to. Uh, yeah, I'm in agreement. Next time, you know, I wish you had been in that grocery store because that had gone over badly. Merry Christmas, asshole! Yeah. For real. You know, the thing is, is that you know. We deal with this hostility all the time as as women. Um, you know, you tell a man no in a club, he cusses you out, calls you a bitch. You know, you go down the street and you ignore somebody who's talking to you. You're a dyke. 
Mm-hmm. Because I've they assume that, that if that if you don't want their dick, then you're a dyke. Well, you know what's funny is I've had that happen to me, and of course I am a dyke, and I'll be like, yeah, she's too. I was like, what's your girlfriend's number? Yep. <laughs> what's your sister's number? Yeah, some shit like that. You know, they just back away like, shut up, you. <laughs> they don't know what to say after that. I, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Okay. I had this particularly attractive um, sweet mate in college. I mean, she was beautiful. And um, it was very difficult to take her out places because she would get a lot of attention. And none of us were trolls. I mean, we were a good-looking group of girls, you know. And we would go out, and but she was like a level of, like, really attractive. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like... Um, Michelle Pfeiffer in her youth attractive, you know, like just glowing like an angel. I mean, she was just really beautiful that way. Of course, Michelle Pfeiffer's still beautiful. But you know what I mean? Like when when she was like in Lady Hawk and she had that glow about her, you know, this Mm -hmm. is what this girl looked like. And so taking her out was always a trial. And one night she comes running. She practically ran across this bar, right? She gets right in my space and she says, oh, my God, you have to pretend to be my girlfriend. I just told this dude at the bar that I'm gay because he won't leave me alone. And so I spent the whole night pretending to be this girl's um, girlfriend. And so we had to dance together and stuff. And it was actually the best time I ever had because there was no pressure whatsoever. Hmm. And and, and nobody bothered us. Except for that one guy we went to school with who walked up to us and said, Look, I don't know what you bitches are playing at, but it's really hot. Can I go home with you guys later? No. <laughs> he said, "Okay, I won't say anything." But I know you're both straight. He's like, "I know you're both straight because I slept with you both." And I'm like, <laughs> and he did. And for the record, he was a fantastic lay, fantastic. <laughs> I just, you know, men. There are, uh, like I said, there's just a group of, uh, there's a type of man who thinks they're entitled to um, tell you what they think. And what's most infuriating about Brad is, um, well, number one, his writing advice was stupid. So I didn't even, that's not even actually a consideration. I totally dismissed that. It was him ignoring me that that, that bothered me. Because his advice was actually stupid. Number one. He has no idea what a 16-year-old girl is like because he's a man. He has no frame mm-hmm. of reference. And number two, the fact of the matter is is that throughout canon, Hermione is one of the least coy characters in the whole book. All the books. Not exactly she a word demanding. I would for her. Hermione is demanding and she's presumptuous from the get-go. Because what does she do when she meets Ron and um, Harry on the train? Have you seen? She sees Ron about to demonstrate to Harry his um, the spell he learned from from George and Fred, and she sits down right next to him without an invitation or anything. Oh, let's see it then, because she's it's like it's so imperious, and like you know she's just 
And then she tells him to his face, well, it's not a very good spell. And then she tells him he has dirt on his nose. She is not subtle. Mm -hmm. She is presumptuous and a little arrogant, and she's not coy. Mm-mm. Not exactly a word I would use. It's one thing I thought it was adorable about her. Later on, it got anno- it got annoying, but uh, you know when she was little, it was adorable because of how bossy what she was. Because it was obvious she was so freaking smart. And he's and always so, like, you know, okay. So his advice was completely like. No, which which makes me think he's one of those people who watched the movies and didn't read the books. Mm-hmm. And he's more enamored with Emma Watson than he is the character of Hermione. Yeah. And there is a big difference. Yeah. And there's a lot of what happens in the books that is taken out of the movies or is smoothed down and made less abrasive. Because Hermione is really bossy and she's really controlling and she's really presumptuous in the books from the get-go, from moment one. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is is that in a lot of ways she pushed Ron and Harry straight through the war. Mm-hmm. From the moment they saved her life in the in the bathroom, she pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And without that pushing, and if there hadn't been anybody else there to push... I don't think either one of them would have survived. They would Because she pushed and pushed and pushed. Because if if there was no one else there to take her place to do the pushing, because Tony, cause, um, Harry was so withdrawn from the treatment he received as a child, if there hadn't been anybody there to push him, well, number one, Jenny would have died in the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. So would a lot of other people. Um, um. And Harry would have never won the war. And uh, that's one thing I like about um, some of the fanfics that when they they change out, you know, the relationship. You know, it's, it's Harry and Draco, in a, uh, but it starts out with them being friends. Um, Hermione's not in the, yeah, you know, part of the friendship, and Draco actually, it, it, his personality is the same. It's just as pushy, but. He right. becomes Hermione in a way. He has you know? to because Harry in in canon is is lost, withdrawn, and and lost, and so somebody has He's to be there to push guy. him. Whether it's He's... serious in that new fic that I'm reading, Marauder's Plan, the Marauder's Plan is, is that what it's called? No. Um, uh, which just posted part seventy two tonight. As a matter of fact, you guys. Um, the, the somebody had to be there to push him, and in canon that's, that's Hermione, and so she's not coy and she's not shy and she's not withdrawn and she's not some coy sixteen-year-old girl, and so it's just is you can't write her that way and be legitimate. But regardless, yeah. so his writing advice was bad, and I dismissed it totally after I saw it. But my problem with Brad was his utter lack of respect. And that remains my problem with Brad. And if any one of us, between the two of us, is super sensitive to criticism, it's him. Mm-hmm. Because he lost his shit when I told him I didn't want his writing advice. The thing that gets me... 
speaking of Harry, the thing that gets me is he's a chronic PTSD case who yeah. survived the war that was his childhood, made it to someplace that was, should have been safe, got dumped back into a war, and the his drill instructor, a.k.a. Hermione, walked him through seven years of war. Yeah. Yeah. And there has to be a character there to do that, whether it's Draco Mm -hmm. or Sirius or, you know, because if you take Harry from year one and you have all that Dursley baggage, there has to be someone there to push him. Mm -hmm. And it's not Ron. Ron is far more likely to commiserate and let him let him slide and to let him. Well, the fact of the matter is, is if Hermione him. truly has an enemy in the Harry Potter franchise, it is Ron, which mm-hmm. makes her relationship so, so laughable. Because for every step she pushes Harry, Ron pulls him back too. Yeah, but so she has to work twice as hard to get Harry to a place where he can even survive, and it is Ron who stands in and, the way yeah, of that at every opportunity. And yeah, Ron has that condescending attitude towards her. Yeah, you know, saying, "Are you mad or whatever?" and insulting her, you know, for her intelligence. And oh. I can't believe they ended up together, man. I, <laughs> that just well, even J.K. Rowling says in retrospect she wishes she hadn't done that, you know, because and Emma Watson said that they that their, that their marriage never would have survived because you know Ron's condescending asshole just be mm-hmm. frank. Yeah, and yeah, I really wish that Hermione had ended up with Harry. <laughs> Definitely not Jenny. Oh my I God. wish Hermione would have ended up with anybody else but Ron. And you know what? I honestly, if Harry couldn't have Hermione, I wish he'd have got Luna. Mm-hmm. You know who I think uh, would be a good match for Hermione, even though he's this little prick in canon? Draco. Yeah, we all think that. I I, you know the thing is, is as, as much as I could see um, that relationship working in a in an alternate universe, the fact of the matter is, is that for the same reason, I will never in a million years really truly believe that Severus Snape loved Lily. Um, it doesn't work for me with um, um, between Draco and um, uh, Hermione because he called her in my blood. And that's a racial yeah. slur, and it's it is the ugliest thing um, that that happens between them. And you can't in a canon situation, Hermione doesn't come out of the war and then fall in love with a Death Eater son. Not after she was tortured by Lestrange. Yeah, I don't believe it in a million years. So if you take it to an AU and that stuff never happens, yes, that can work. Yeah, in an alternate universe, they'd be such an adorable couple and they would take over the ministry. (laughs) (coughs) It has to be AU from the start. And also, Lucius has to die 
before Draco's even walking, because otherwise he turns his son into a douchebag. Yeah. I just love the way you said that. Douchebag. <laughs> a total bag of dicks. I mean, it's just like... I think some of my favorite stories are the ones are the ones where Draco is raised by his mother alone. Those he always comes out really cool in those ones. Or him and Narcissa are in a conspiracy like from the moment of his birth and Lucius has no clue. <laughs> I think I uh, I started reading one story where Lucius and Narcissa, um, um, because Voldemort wants to turn Drake, uh, kill Draco to become the last Horcrux, they sacrifice themselves, and you know, they send um, Draco, only a couple months old, to his aunt Andromeda. So he's raised by with Tonks, and uh, he's best friends with Ron and all that stuff. In it's adorable. I mean, so there's two I, boys. That you know, him. actually, I just got almost like instantly horrified by the idea of Draco and Ron being best friends. <laughs> <laughs> and not for Ron's sake, but for Draco's. He's like, oh, God, poor Draco. <laughs> because Ron, cause Ron is a bag of dicks, okay? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you how badly Brad pissed me off when I was um, earlier, like not not last night, but earlier. I finished um, the next part of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, and it is currently in beta. Um, it's called oh, Wizard's, Retribu- Wizards Retribution, and there's a part in the in the in the story where. Um, in the story that I'm telling in this part, where where Harry is having to deal with his conclave, and he has um, banished two members of his conclave for refusing to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. And I name one of them Brad. <laughs> uh-huh. I changed it. I didn't even know I had done it. Until I was reading through it um, before I sent it to Lady Holder, and I saw Brad. I'm like, what the hell is Brad in my story? And then oh, I realized what I had done. It was like I had a little um, subconscious, unconscious um, Brad hate going on in the middle of my story. So I took the name out and, and put a different name in there, maybe. I, I will before you guys see it. But anyway. <laughs> there's this 30-ish-year-old um, wizard in... Um, Harry's conclave, and Harry throws him out for refusing to do what he wants because basically this guy has a boner for her, um, for Hermione, and Harry's like you know half ticked from killing him anyway, and so and so that's Brad, um, but you that won't that won't be his name when you see him. <laughs> Just, I did something really. Sometimes as a writer, when when you're working on um, something, you you. Do something that you didn't plan to do, and it's really it turns into something like, oh shit, what was that? What what did I do? And there's a part in this, and um, uh, I had written it originally when I when I did the plot for this part, and because I do, contrary to what you might believe, Brad have a plan. I'm a plotter. I don't just pull things out of my ass when I'm writing ninety ninety nine percent of the time. No. 
It happens every once in a while. And in now for this particular scene, I had in here that Harry was going to have his conclave um, in a ritual room, and then during the course of this conversation, he was going to reveal to Draco the true nature of his relationship and the the conclave's relationship with the horde, with the goblins. And so I put that on there reveal but then i had no idea what the reveal was when it came time to write it and so i'm working through this and trying to figure out what i want to do and what i stumbled upon i kind of blew my own it was mind. a pretty good one it was a it's a hell of a good one i mean when i wrote it i was like oh shit that's really awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. so when you're reading yes, it, it and you see that you'll you'll know what i mean and sometimes as a writer when you're doing it, you just have this um, this creative twist that happens, and it's so totally unexpected, and then it just kind of takes over the whole scene. And that's what happened with Ties That Bind, with, with the Pleasure Houses, which were not done originally in my plot. And then when I was writing that first sex scene, I realized, oh, shit, Pleasure Houses. And then I had to stop writing and, 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 and go back to the drawing board. I did have to stop mid-scene writing and, and go do some research last night, or not, when I wrote it, um, not last night, because I sent it to Lady Holder and Chris quite a few days ago, mm-hmm. um, or a couple of days I'm ago waiting anyway. On Chris. Chris has I'm waiting on Chris. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I did have to stop mid-scene and, and, and go do a little bit of research. And so uh, just to um, kind of even out what I was going to do. But it was um, like this, I don't know, just, just sometimes when you're writing, something amazing happens, and it happens. And, um, yeah. You just By sit, the way, uh, you sit back and look at the screen and just blink for a minute and go, holy shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, look what I did. <laughs> Yes. I mean, By the way, we need a pretty thing. <laughs> I was I was texting the husband because he he um, was talking to me earlier, and I didn't really want him to give me a phone call in the middle of this. And he tells everybody hello. So he's <laughs> putting that putting that out. So, so yeah. But it's what she what she um, cure came up with. I sat there and I stopped and I blinked for a little bit because, damn, that that was not something I saw coming at all. But it was unique, right? I've never seen anybody else mm-hmm. do that in the Harry Potter fic. I no, am so that one is fucking curious now. I'm like, oh my god, I need a time machine. No, there wasn't. I need a time machine. Yeah. Okay. Can I start pacing now? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, hey, no, you know, I I try to do unique things. I, I, you know, because I love cliches, of course, and I love exploring concepts that are really popular in the Harry Potter fandom, like the nobility. And um, um, you haven't met a trope out of that thing that you haven't found you really liked yet, I like or you didn't really like. I enjoy that it. I, I really do. But I also like to twist it. And do something nobody mm-hmm. else has done before. Yeah, and I think I've really done that with with this particular scene with the goblins. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, there's something that in there, and when you see it, you're gonna go, oh. 
<laughs> look what There's she did. Because so it was like, I thought you know. That, and, you know, I got the concepts from with your stories, all right? And I, I'm finding out, holy shit, that's not canon. Yes, there's canon and then there's Kira. And and while they're great and wonderful and really, really awesome, canon is slightly different, normally more boring. You can always tell when somebody's been influenced by Kira's uh, stories. Oh, yeah, totally. I can tell. Every once in a while, I'll get an email from somebody and be like, oh, hey, um, I wrote my own story, and um, um, I didn't realize I accidentally used one of your OCs. Is is, is that okay? Because I didn't know they were an OC. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. Uh-huh. And that happens most often with Matt Shepard. Mm-hmm. People don't realize he's not a canon character. And um, I I I accidentally ruined Stargate for somebody um, who had never watched it, and it was on Prime, or oh. they'd gotten it from somebody, and they had never watched a single episode of of Atlantis. Oh God! And um, she's halfway through the first season when she emails me and says, "When will I meet Matt and Patrick and David?" And I'm like, "Oh, oh God. honey." I said, um, Matt doesn't actually exist in canon. Patrick dies off screen, and David's kind of a jerk. <laughs> oh, you broke her heart. She stopped watching the show. She stopped watching the show. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, but you have to watch these episodes. And I, so I said, you need to watch Grace Under Pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to watch uh, The Shrine. I said, let's get the last four minutes. You don't need to see the last four minutes of the shrine. Just just skip that part. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think... <laughs> actually, I think that Race Under Pressure is probably my favorite um, Atlanta mm-hmm. That's one of episode. the best ones, yeah. You can see... Well, I, they, I like the Pal Rodney. I'm sorry, what? Chris is in chat. Oh, hi, Chris. But uh, you can see they, uh, David Hewlett's genius in Grace Under Pressure and The Shrine. And you just want to, like, give him presents. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the thing is, is that during um, Grace Under Pressure, I, I realized just exactly how talented um, David Hewlett is. Um, and then it came home for me again when I watched The Shrine, and it was really difficult to watch The Shrine because... Um, I watched all the bitch. <laughs> McKay is so vivid, and to see him reduced, and it's just, it, it is an amazing piece of craft work that David Hewlett did there. I mean, it was really mm-hmm. amazing. It was, it was really awesome. And I think also... There are a couple of character reveals that we get for Shepard's character that make you realize ex- exactly how talented Joe Flanagan is. Because you go along thinking that Storm in the, uh, Storm in the Eye is definitely one. Um, the one where he feeds that guy to the race is another. <laughs> because oh, yeah. this is a man who has been fed on by a race. He knows exactly what's about to happen to this dude, and he does it anyway. And he does it anyway. Oh, yeah. 
that's I I can't even express my love of that scene. <coughs> when, uh, he's telling Rodney no, and oh. then Rodney sneaks in and finds out what he did. What's interesting yeah. is like there's a um, there was a picture on Facebook of that scene and, and you see um, Joe Flanagan's expression and I put on the person who posted this I put this on her site on their I did a comment that said basically and this is the moment when Joe Flanagan um, basically made it clear to everybody else that he was playing his part like his character was in love with Rodney. Mm-hmm. And no matter what else the writers wrote after that, Joe Flanagan played that scene like he was telling the love of his life no. That's the episode I um, felt, you know, I realized how damn talented he was. Right. You know? he's, Somebody was just like cardboard character. And that's what, uh, and I saw um, that episode. I was like, okay, I had this guy all wrong on his acting ability. So I went back to the beginning with that in mind. That was McCain. No, it wasn't, it wasn't McCain, Mrs. Miller. It was, um, did include Mrs. Miller. And I can't remember it's the, the name episode, of the episode where where Jeannie gets kidnapped and she gets injected with mm-hmm. nanites. And in order to fix her, they need Todd's help. But Todd hasn't uh-huh. fed in so long that he's getting sick. So Rodney uh-huh. tells John that he wants to t- to feed Todd so that Todd can save Jeannie's life. And right. John tells Rodney, no. No. I am not letting you feed yourself to a race. And then he turns uh-huh. around and guilt trips the guy who kidnapped Jeannie into agreeing to sacrifice himself to Todd. And then he takes that dude Miller's into crossing. Todd's room. Miller's Crossing. Um, takes that dude into Todd's room, and Todd feeds on him until he dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Miller's he, Crossing. Yeah. And the, the thing is, the other one that, that I was thinking is that it, uh, um, it shows some of the range that Flanagan had playing John it shows a level of sitting there so screamingly furious you're about to fly apart and and be and bathe in somebody's blood irresponsible that one with Lucius Lavin the guy who did that that drug yeah. that made everybody like him yeah. you know where the John date is rape sitting episode. there yes the 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 one where John is sitting there in a chair is gonna is on his lap and he's he's looking at him, and there's what's ticking behind his eyes is honestly less than happy. And I think that's one of the reasons why he wore sunglasses most of the, that particular episode. I have no idea what he would have been thinking, what would have shown through. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah. You know, he wanted to rip him apart. Yeah. I'm going to fucking kill you so hard. (laughs) I'm going to kill you so hard. Your ancestors are going to hop up out of the grave and ask to know what happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Azura says yeah. in the chat room, you had me believing that Kirk was Betazoid. I was Betazoid. so confused when I finally saw the movie. I've had that complaint before. I actually had someone email me, and she had written a Star Trek story. And, of course, she'd made Kirk, um, she'd made George Kirk half Betazoid. And, you know, Gemma Third, like I did in Tangled Destinies. And she got um, some bitchy comment about it. And... um she emails me and she says, you know, I hadn't actually uh, watched the new movie, but I thought what you had done was canon, so I just followed what you did. And then come to find out it wasn't canon, but I think it works better this way, don't you? And I'm like, that's why I wrote it that way. <laughs> I think it does work better that way. <laughs> well, yeah. well, you, broke, you broke my Star Trek cherry. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I was like, Holy shit, this is actually really fucking good. Well, I knew it would be good because you wrote it, but the fact that it's track, you know, I'd made a deal with Karen. I got her to watch Farscape. <laughs> so I was like, I'm willing to sacrifice for Farscape, man. And then I was like, okay, it ain't a sacrifice. <laughs> I couldn't stop reading it once I started. Uh, I was like, I hate her. Damn it. <laughs> It happens. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Not really. I said I, I, said I would never read Harry Potter. He got me hooked on Harry Potter. Not sorry. I know. I've read Star Trek. It's all your fault, man. <laughs> Is there any other <laughs> fandom you'd like me to introduce you to? <laughs> I still haven't read Inception Fix. <laughs> I oh, I can fix that. I can fix I that. Oh. Well, I I'll tell you right have- now. Inception, I find Inception so sexy. Oh, my God. Um, Arthur and Ames, that is some hot fucking shit. Uh, That is like, oh, that is like panty-dropping hot. (laughs) I haven't read Because they're both extremely attractive, and it is... I have read a few so, of Dreamer stories. Um, one of them is actually a um, Stargate Atlantis uh, Avenger story, and where Shepard is actually Black Widow's son because um, she was part of the same. It turns out she was part of the same program that created uh, the Winter Soldier, and mm-hmm. so she's actually like 80 years old. And it turns out she was um, supposed to marry Patrick Shepard and. Uh, Sabotage's company or some crap like that, and uh, she was ordered to have his child. And the Winter Soldier is actually John's father. Says uh, Patrick oh, Shepard was that? Yes, I've yeah, that one. I'm waiting for an update on it. It's been a while since she updated, but I, it just blew me away how she just merged the two series. Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes so, you find so, a writer who does something like that, they they shift it and they they merge something together in such a way that you think to myself, mm-hmm. holy fucking shit, why wasn't it always that way? <laughs> you know? uh-huh. The way she writes back. I don't think I do that, week. for the record. I'm not very good at that. I don't, because I have so little respect for canon, I have a hard time, I have a hard time, I... I don't do well, but I do well, think I do well with um, 
owning, which I think is probably why my OCs come off like real characters for you mm-hmm. guys and why people thought that Kirk really was a Betazoid if they hadn't seen the movie is because when I make changes, I totally own that shit. <laughs> it, 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 it helps with me because I don't know the backstory canon. And like with Avengers, I don't know all the comic book history and all that. So I ended up having to, you know, go to Wikipedia and look up stuff. I'm reading um I'm 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 reading a uh uh Hobbit fanfic. Although I don't honestly wish to discuss it. Um, it's a fix it. It's a fix it fic. It's called Coats and Customs. Um, yeah. I'm on part. Um, I I've got this. Open I'm on too, part. So. I'm on part eleven. I'm on part eleven right now. Um, Frodo's adorable. Just, anyway, <coughs> I don't know if I'll be able to read Hobbit fanfic because when I read the original Hobbit, I. I have a hard time reading fantasy for some reason. Um, just keeping my brain into it. So I don't know if I'll ever read into the fanfic. I don't actually like to read the Hobbit fanfic because The Hobbit um, destroyed me when I read it the first time. I was I was so hurt by how it ended. And we'll just leave it at that. Let's put it this so way. I don't, actually, don't go and watch the and movie. I also, also, I can't. I, I will never watch the movie in public because reading the book ruined me. Yeah. Um, Good idea. Do I have uh, Kira? Are you dying or do you have allergies? You sound terrible. Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate the fact that you always make me feel so good. <laughs> I'm waiting till the day after Christmas to go see the newest movie. Your praise overwhelms me at every opportunity. <laughs> for the record, for the record, I I do I do actually have a cold. <coughs> I'm sorry, it's I'm coughing in you guys' ears. Mhm, not a big deal. I'm used to it. She'll never do Farscape, guys. She'll never do Farscape. So I'll just... never write Farscape. No, um, yeah. I love Farscape. I love it. I love it so much. I will never write it. That makes mm-hmm. me sad reason... at the same time. <laughs> one of the reasons I write fan fiction is because I'm dissatisfied with the canon. If John and Aaron hadn't survived, and they really had oh died God. in that boat. I would write the Farscape fanfiction. I would be so knee deep into Farscape fanfiction, you guys would have never seen me write anything else. But, but mm-hmm. they gave me that beautiful. You. They gave me the beautiful Peacekeeper Wars, and they everything was fixed, and they had their baby, and they went off on Moya, and it was beautiful, and it was great, and I love it. And What's everything funny, was Ellie? right with my world, except for the fact they killed Dargo. I Dargo is not dead, okay? I refuse to accept that. <laughs> I, oh. I like to think that the wormhole aliens, which is like a total um, cop-out. 
steal from the um, DS9. Uh, I think the wormhole uh, aliens have Zan and Dargo. As soon as somebody finds happiness, it's dead man walking. <laughs> but now, uh, I refuse to acknowledge that Dargo is dead. <laughs> but what's funny is, um, yeah, it's obvious that the miniseries was a big love letter to the fans. Because they was. had a choice. Yeah, they had a choice for that $20 million they got from the investors to either do a um, standalone big screen movie or to do a four-hour miniseries to tie up loose ends for the fans. And so mm-hmm. it's obvious, you know, they went with a miniseries. And what's funny is you'll hear the powers that be, like David Kemper and Rocky O'Banion say, we don't know where the fans found these investors, but they did. And they mm-hmm. brought them to us. And they will brag on the fans big time on how we kept the word out. You know, writing letters and like when um, what's a face from sci-fi? She was saying Bonnie. That you mean don't Bonnie don't say that fucking horse name on my show. I hate Bonnie. You said it. Fucking whore. Bitch Bonnie. Bitch Bonnie. Okay, she said women don't watch sci-fi. Well, guess Fuck what? You, Bonnie. Sent their bras to Sci-Fi Channel and proved that you know, I forget how many bras ended up being there. Something like twenty thousand bras ended up in the offices of the Sci-Fi Channel to prove that women did watch science fiction. <laughs> they didn't know well, what to if, do with all the bras. If she believed this, then why the fuck was she in charge of a science fiction network? I don't know, but she's in charge of NBC now. <laughs> she went from Sci-Fi so University uh, USA to NBC. Fuck you, Bonnie. Um, here's the thing. When Farscape ended the way it did, I was down in my husband's man cave watching it on the big TV. Mm-hmm. I was super excited. I had my popcorn. We did not know, or did we know? We knew this was the last episode because they had yeah. told the, the people after um, we had it in the can that they were done, that they were being canceled. So this was the last episode. I was going to get a Farscape, and so I was all in it, right? And they were on that beautiful ocean, and John asked Aaron to marry him, and he had the ring, and she said yes, and they kissed. And they're like, oh, this is perfect. This is a great way to end it. I'm, and I'm they not announced even upset. it? And, um, yeah, 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 it had been announced. We we knew this was our last episode. Well, no, I'm and, also thinking um, that he, he screams out, we're having a baby at somewhere in there, too. Yeah, 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 but he sits back down, and they're kissing, and then aliens mm-hmm. come up and blow them to pieces. You know what's and funny is uh, I, I, st- I sat there for, like, I guess maybe 20 seconds and just – complete shock and then I burst tears my husband he came over and got on the couch with me and and held me and patted my back like a five-year-old for like a half hour because I just Dargo screamed man Dargo screamed I was just inconsolable you were the only one I I didn't listen to David Kemper when he said do not watch it alone I they had it two weeks ahead of time in Europe and I had downloaded it and I sat it, you know, got off work, downloaded it, and I sat there in the dark, watched it. And I then I sat for four hours afterwards, bawling my eyes out. Mm-hmm. And when uh, 
they finally aired it. Yeah, me and my, one of my best friends, we would watch every episode. She was lived in Orlando. I lived in Tampa. We'd get on the phone and watch the episode together over the phone. And we were both on the phone and watching it. And then that stupid fucking message from Sci-Fi Channel thanking the actors and the fans showed up. I went off. I ranted for about 20 minutes. Finally, my mother took the phone from me and talked to Erica. She's like, you're not helping, you know. She's not calming down yet. And then Erica was ranting just as much as I was. (laughs) My mom handed me the phone back. (laughs) You two. It was terrible. It was terrible. I mean. And then this Sci-Fi Channel's uh, website crashed again because we crashed it again. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. it crashed for two weeks after um, they announced uh, Sci-Fi Channel didn't want the actors to tell the fans that the show was canceled. Well, that, um, Ben Browder and, you know, Rockney, I think it was Rockney or, or David Kemper, and um, he got on, they got, all three got on there, and they announced it. And the website was down for two weeks because people were so pissed. <laughs> And then to end it the way they did. And even the producers of the show said if they, if they'd known that that was going to be their last episode, they would not have done that to their fans. You know, they could have yeah, rewritten it, that last five minutes where it ended with just them on that planet, safe and beautiful, and that promise of a really great future with Aaron and the baby. And But they didn't. They They didn't tell them when they knew. They, they, they knew they were the going to be canceled before they ever finished the episode filming. <clears throat> and that's why, and, uh, to this day, I don't watch anything on Sci-Fi Channel anymore. I don't know. I, I, Actually, my, my end piece was as soon as Stargate Universe rolled through. I haven't watched a thing since that was approved. If um, there's I something with like Joe Klein uh, again or David Hewlett or Ben Browder on there, I will watch Sci-Fi Channel. That's the only times. That is the Which only time that will work. <clears throat> huh? I don't but, know. Um, I once they canceled Stargate Atlantis, I had no use for Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. I even stopped watching Warehouse 13, which I had been watching before that. I mean, it's it's. I understand <coughs> why. why a lot of people blame SG-1 because they brought SG-1 to Sci-Fi Channel. It actually wasn't. It, Henson was owned by a company called EMTV over in Germany, and they went bankrupt because the CEO decided to steal a lot of money. And eventually, the Henson kids was able to buy back their father's company. And uh, Brian Henson has been working to get Farscape back. You know, the only thing that's prevented them from doing the webisodes has been financing. And they now have the script being worked on the second draft, I believe, by Andrew Prowse for a big screen Farscape movie. I am so not on board fantastic. with the movie. I'm not on board with the movie. I've seen the synopsis. Yeah, you tell me about it. And if um, that is their synopsis, if that's what they're really going to do, I have absolutely no interest in seeing it. It is infuriating. If they want me to believe that John and Aaron left their baby on Earth and then left him there for 20 years, uh-uh. no. 
No, I know they I don't. like they like to hide. They don't actually I used to have to hunt down for the spoilers, you know, uh, because they did such a hot, good job of um, putting out false leads. So there's no telling if that's, you know, the real plot of it. You know, I doubt it is because they would not kill it off. You know, they would, they would not push away the fans that quickly because they know what the fans want. And because most of them John... Told Dargo, with, uh, baby Dargo, when, when when he was holding him, mm-hmm. when they were on Moya and they named him, he picked up his son and he showed him the stars and he said, this is your playground. If they yeah. went from mm-hmm. that to dropping their son off on earth and then leaving him there for 20 years, hell yeah. no. I'm not watching it. And, um... I know Ben Browder was supposed to direct the webisodes. Uh, I think they wouldn't have Brian Hansen do it. And I, actually, I w- wish they would get Rowan Woods to do it because he's one of the best directors they had. Uh, he did some of the best episodes of the series, him and Andrew Prowse. I think, uh, while I like Brian Hansen's directing, I think he's kind of, he plays it too safe. That isn't the story I want to hear. That isn't the story I want to see. Um, you know, <coughs> a lot of times they take a big budget movie and they ruin what we loved about the show. Um, yeah, I want to I see the fucking Nabari make their play. I want, I just, I want more. I yeah. want more. And I want them to give me what Serenity gave Firefly Friends. Oh, yeah. Don't don't disappoint me. And honestly, yes. nobody better be a fucking leaf in the wind, okay? <laughs> nobody. Oh, my God. <laughs> no leaf in the wind, yes. I, I am with you on that. Oh, who, did anybody see that shit coming? Did anybody? No. I'm the leaf in the wind. Fuck mm. you, Josh. Mm. Oh my God. But you know we should have because we know that that man likes to kill people. <laughs> and there was no way he was done killing people. Um, it's yeah. <laughs> well, I know one thing. Uh, when they asked Ben um, Browder about, yeah, who should die. You know, they brought up Dargo's death, and he's like, no, don't kill Dargo. Kill Crichton. (laughs) (laughs) Don't kill Dargo. (laughs) You know who they could have killed, and I would have been okay with it? I mean, it would have been sad, but I would have been okay with it. Rigel. Why could you die because of the baby? (laughs) Actually, you know, know, I I would have been perfectly... You know, the other one I've been perfectly happy to see die. I'm sorry, Scorpius. He's an asshole. He, he's a hell of a Scorpius. Don't. I like his little latex outfit. <laughs> okay. Rigel could have died I, for the baby. They could have been running for yeah. shelter, and Rigel could have taken a blaster hit for the baby. And that would have been a perfect death for him. It would have been so yeah. heroic. Because he's such an asshole the entire fucking show. And then in the last seconds of his life, he does something 
so heroic that it blows everybody's mind. I mean, it would have been great. And then, you know, it's Darko wouldn't have died. Puppet, puppet makes you cry all the time. Uh, it's going to be rough with the movie because uh, the actor who played and did his voice, Jonathan Hardy, um, he passed away um, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna, I'm hoping to find somebody that's a good match on the voice. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of that is when um, they they catch him crying and they ask him why he's crying and he says, "I miss the baby." I miss <laughs> a big it. sobbing mess. <laughs> it's uh-huh. You know, here's the thing: is is you cannot call what used to be the Sci-Fi Channel. You can't call it that anymore because they it's put professional fiction. wrestling on it. And as much as I think that it is fiction, it's not actually science fiction. No, it's not. Um, I call him. I call him Skiffy. I call him Fifi. It was it it was Siffy, and then I went to Fifi. You know, one of those useless little died first dogs. Yeah, first dogs. Yeah, Fifi. They serve no fucking. You know what they are? They are the bag of dicks of of television channels. Well, they changed their name to um, Syphilis. You know, <laughs> the new spelling it means like syphilis in like Portuguese or some crap like that, some other language. Oh my God, they didn't realize this. The That's shit refreshing. you don't look up will come back to bite you every <laughs> single time. Yes. Um, speaking of things you look up, I have um, I have um been thinking about uh different kinds of um, snakes to add to the mythology of, of, of my Harry Potter and the soulmate uh-huh. bond. And I'm going to add a um, a feathered serpent that is um, in the mythology uh, <clears throat> um, for Central America and Arizona and that area. And, um, You're adding I, a codal. No, I already so, have a codal. Um, a qu- duh. Um, Hermione's one. Um, I'm gonna I, add a a a vanu, a v a n y u, um, and it is a feathered serpent, but it doesn't actually have wings. It just has feathers on its body. It's really, really cool looking. Um, it's mythol it's mythological, and it has horns. I'm really looking forward to it. I think that um, um, it'll be Hermione's third familiar. Oh, that's interesting. She's become a little snake charmer, ain't she? Well, of course. Mm-hmm. She she started with the king of snakes. One of my favorite lines is um, when um, Hermione meets Atlas, and um, he, Harry's complaining about the way snakes respond to her, and um, he tells um, uh, Master Ito that she's like a catnip for snakes, and he said, "You'd know." Uh huh. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just thinking. For some reason, I was thinking it was it was it wasn't the soulmate bond. It was Serpent King. And I'm thinking, why are you putting a codal in to Serpent King? Just I didn't hear. Well, the first I can't part. if I wanna. But no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also this yeah. week, um, I changed the um animagus form of Harry and Hermione in um the unspeakable in the unspeakable plot. I oh, made yeah? them Thunderbirds. Okay. I decided to make them Thunderbirds. In my original draft, they were Golden Eagles, and that's all good and fine. But I thought, well, you know, that's not, that's not very interesting. And so I was looking through um, birds, you know, because I, I wanted them to be birds. 
and that's how we're that out. That's close <clears throat> to a phoenix, too. So All I'm right. going with Thunderbirds. They're, yeah, they're going to turn into Thunderbirds, and it's going to be really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I started reading that, um, the unspeakable plot, and I think he took it down before I could even get to the last part, and I was like, shut up, bitch. Uh, sorry, dude. <laughs> I know. I sh- well, I discovered the site at that point, and I was like, oh, what's this? Something shiny. Oh my god, this is awesome. And I was like mainlining it and then it was gone and I was I cried. My dog had to con- console me. <laughs> that's interesting. Oh god, he licked my so, nose. <laughs> so that's the um a venue, ever how you say it. That's how I'm gonna say it. So since it's gonna be my creation, you're just gonna be stuck with it. Um anyway, that's the picture I'm using for my inspiration. I just I just okay. put it up in the um, chat room. So I've been looking at mythical ooh, that is nice. snakes and birds and all kinds of cool things. And um, I definitely I I went on sequel plot to work on something else and to actually make a character list because while I've transferred some characters from Unspeakable into Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, I wrote Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond a long time ago, um, and I've been um, reworking it all this time, and so. I've um because originally Harry's mentor wasn't um Hero Ito. Um I changed that um so that I could you know kind of pull characters from um my own uh m- my other work. And so I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to introduce Zale in the un- in um in the Soulmate Bond because I love the character of Zale in Unspeakable Plot. So now I'm I'm trying to figure out how to work him into Soulmate. So Mhm. Because Thaddeus is a parcel mouth um, in both stories, uh, and he uh, is Harry's vassal, and he's a member of, of Harry's conclave. And so um, I don't know what I'm going to do with Zale, but it, it should be interesting. And I'm considering kind of a kind of a love triangle thing for um, Sirius and and, and Zale, um, because Cassius refused to to commit to a man who won't drink from the Philosopher's Stone, and Sirius is extremely opposed to to it. Hmm. So their relationship kind of has a built-in expiration date because Sirius is going to die one day, and that's one of the reasons why Cassius refuses to... Um, they have an open relationship. Um, they spend a lot of time together. <laughs> but they're open, and so I'm thinking about introducing Zale to that mix just to see what happens. Oh, that'll be an interesting, yeah, thing. Hmm. One thing I, He's so I'm, I'm like, <laughs> one thing I do like, um, my bond is, I think you know, usually I I try to read um the Harry Hermione story. She's kind of weepy. I like the fact that she's so damn strong in your stories. So that's that's one thing that pulled me in with so, uh, Soulmate Bond. So. I don't like weepy girls myself. I mean, yeah. I I really don't like weepy. And either she's either she's a total bitch in a story or she's a total, uh, wimp. And I like the way you just make her fucking strong. So... I think that realistically someone with her um 
background either has to be a strong she has to be strong or she's a doormat and there and there really is no in between for someone yeah. um who comes to Hogwarts and she admits that she never really made friends before and she's really smart and she's really invested in her education and she's got these books and um you know the her books are her friends and she's coming in a situation where very large portion of the population are going to look down on her just because her parents are muggles. So this is someone either who's going to have to be brave and strong, or she's going to be a weak and a doormat. And and there's really no in between. She's either going to keep her head down and try not to call attention to herself, or she's going to have to be strong and say, "No, you're not going to treat me that way, and fuck you in your eye." <laughs> You know, because there really isn't an in-between. Yeah, and... Not so much, no. She, she makes... In your stories, she she's a very good equal to Harry in every way. Well, and, she has to be. Especially yeah, in the filmmaking because she is. She is the other half of hard, him. It's hard for us, us, some of these writers, apparently, to um, make them equal partners. One has to be stronger than the other, and I don't think that's the way it should be. And so that's why I, why I have a hard time reading a lot of the pet stuff that's on um, Harry Potter fandom. Well, originally, but, oddly enough, um, the curse that Harry took for Hermione in my original mm-hmm. draft, um, that actually came from a different story. I pulled. Can you? Know, I had a whole bunch of stories. I had a whole bunch of stories on that disc that my husband rescued for me, and um, that particular plot and those scenes originally came from a different story, and I had to retail them, and I ended up rewriting a lot of what I had there. But I used the basic idea, and originally it was Hermione who got hit by the curse, and Harry had. To I remember that. Do the whole thing, and um, mm-hmm. when I was getting ready to go into, I knew I wanted to use this particular curse basically to get rid of Jenny. I, I wanted to get rid of Jenny in my storyline. And so I knew I was going to use this, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. And um, I thought, no, this can't be Hermione being rescued. This this needs to be Hermione stepping up to the plate and demonstrating to not only herself but to the rest of them, including, you know, her her mother, her coven and his conclave, that yes, she is every bit as strong and as capable as Harry and she needs to demonstrate that. She needs to show them she is in fact his soulmate. And then yeah, she's and just as capable of he, as he is. It's awesome how you did that um, that entire scene with the ritual. That was mm-hmm. a thing of beauty. That was oh, thanks. Bit, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, I put a lot of effort in that. Well, it was so <laughs> easy to picture where everybody was placed, the sky, all of that. I, was, I just, after I read it, I was just like super fucking impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my, my face is a little okay, warm. Okay, I, I, I like to, when I read stories that has a ritual in it, I just like sit back and like, let's see how you do it, dude. <laughs> and 
because I, I like to do a lot of visualization, and you just did a kick-ass job on it. And that's not me kissing butt either. That's just my... <laughs> yeah, Brad. You kiss my ass, Brad. But no, um, no, because, you know, <coughs> I didn't, um, I really had okay. no idea how to structure a, a ritual. And I actually have a friend in my life. Um, um, I've known her since I was a very um, um, immature uh, writer. Um, I was, we met when we were 14. Um and uh, we were in high school together, and she's actually the high priestess of a pagan coven. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked her if I could attend one of her rituals, and she said, what are you going to do with it? I said, well, I said, I want to um, incorporate some ritual stuff in something that I'm writing, but I won't use your actual stuff, and I won't use anybody from your ritual, and I won't use anybody's names. I just want to get a feel of, of, of what it's like. I don't actually plan to. It, it isn't going to be a pagan ceremony, so I'm not even going to be using the words that you use. I just want to um, experience it. Well, so I, 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 I share a lot of the, um, the Wiccan and pagan stuff on my site, you know, just in um, case something catches your eye that you want to, uh, you are one of the minions want to use in a story. So, because I, I know that everybody is on those communities and everything. So I share those just in case um, somebody wants to use something like that, you know? But I did, I, I did go to a, um, a renewal ritual, and there was also mm-hmm. like a, um, a coven marriage that took place at the same time. Not the same time, actually, fasting. but like in, yeah, a, a hand, hand fasting, fasting and, yeah, hand fasting, and um, it was all very interesting, and I, I, I really had a good time, and I came away from it with a understanding that I had been missing from her spiritual life, and so when I came in to write Hermione in this ritual, and um, it really it really came into play when she was actually before the the ICW explaining herself, when she talked about how she structured the ritual and, and how she structured the um, the women in her circle and, and how she arranged them based on um, their life experiences as they related to Harry or to motherhood. And yeah. so, and, that, and that's really what I got out of um, seeing my friend do this was uh, her relationship with... Um, her spirituality is 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 very uh seductive and yeah. um and it's yeah. empowering and her her coven's entirely female that's not always the case um with pagans <coughs> but hers is and she's very deeply rooted in in earth magic and earth um I mean, she's just, it's, it's just, it was very spiritual and, and very moving and very interesting, and I really enjoyed that. So when I came back into writing this for Hermione, I kind of had that in the back of my mind. But obviously I couldn't use the things that I'd seen there because I said, uh, number one, that I wouldn't, and number two, Hermione isn't actually a pagan. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't actually, yeah, I, you know, work. I'm glad you got so. to experience that, you know. Yeah. I've always uh, been a uh, solitary practitioner myself. And I usually end up like one of falls, you know, fall on the heap afterwards because <laughs> it's just oh, <laughs> it's like you get um, 
big old pillow on top of you. <laughs> it just every it's, you feel everything. You know, it, it was it was very comforting. It was very comforting. Yeah. Um, if you're very comfortable in who you are and you're comfortable in your faith, and so I, I wouldn't recommend you go there to, to see one of these if you're in a difficult place emotionally with your faith. But if you know, I, I think mostly the Christians who might find um, a pagan. Um, ceremony off-putting. If if you can approach it with an open mind and just see the beauty of these people embracing um, our planet and um, the power of, of of nature, and um, it's just it's beautiful. It's really yeah. and truly beautiful. And um, c- coming from somebody who's an atheist, you can t- you can take that to the bank. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't believe What's in a god or a goddess. Well, the way I see it, whatever brings a person comfort, whatever uh, makes their heart feel, do a little thump or whatever, it makes them happy, they need to go for it. Whether it's being an atheist or pagan or Wiccan or Pentecostal, well, not Pentecostal, that's just creepy. Uh, <laughs> she has a limit. That's her hard limit. <laughs> yeah, I've I've gone to a Pentecostal church. I love uh, Catholic ceremonies. I love uh, some Southern Baptist. Uh, you're going to well, raise Southern Baptist. I love some of the, you know, just the homey feel in some of the churches. I went to an Episcopal. My ex-husband used to drag me to all these different churches, but. I have a cousin, or fourth cousin. Him and his wife are both Pentecostal preachers. And I saw them, do, you know, do, like, speaking in tongues and stuff like that. Freaking I've seen somebody speaking in tongues. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And by God, I mean Thor. Um, if <laughs> you if you um, ever get an opportunity to go to a Pentecostal church and... Uh, you see somebody speaking in tongues, um, it will make you fear for your life. <laughs> yes. And I'm sorry you... if somebody, you know, actually the likelihood of someone who's Pentecostal actually listening to my show is pretty, pretty fucking slim. But it, if you're offended, um, I, I apologize. But I agree with Kaz. Um, the yeah, Pentecostal church is a very fucking place to be. And don't ever, ever in your life, if you get invited to a tent revival in the middle of nowhere in a Pentecostal church, you say no. Because the only time Pentecostals, no, the only time Pentecostals have tent revivals in the middle of nowhere is when they want to handle snakes and get away with it. I was about to say that. I was about to say they bring out the snakes. Uh, I know they're illegal in this county here, but they. one guy, he keeps finding a way out, around the ordinances. He events recently. <laughs> yeah, if they don't do it in a church, if they do it in a tent, um, it it doesn't qualify as a church activity, and they can get around the laws that prevent it. And it is illegal in most southern states to handle church as part of a religious ceremony because people die doing this stupid shit because they're not just handling snakes, people. They're handling they're rattlesnakes. Not, yeah, riled up rattlesnakes. Pissed off rattlesnakes because what they'll do is they'll hit the box 
snake is in and get that snake all pissed off, and then they'll pick it up because they assume if they're righteous enough and they're faithful enough that if even if they get bitten, they'll survive. I don't. I only knew one person that could probably uh, handle being bit um, bit by a poisonous snake, and that was my dad. He was immune to cottonmouths. I have a cousin um, uh, who is a um, who um, collects snakes, and um, he has many, many snakes, and he actually milks them for their venom. And he's been bitten so much and so often that he his own blood is an anti anti venom. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, uh, um, never bring small children to a Pentecostal church. That was rather traumatizing. Scar them for life. My cousin's son was sick with the flu, and all these people were like, there was was a small church, about 30, 40 people, because all these people were going around coaching my cousin. I was like, standing with my back against the back wall, freaking out. I was like, what are they doing? I wanted out of there. I I eventually ended up going to the bathroom crying. I was like seven. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. I, my, I haven't, my, my aunt, Holy Roller, is actually Pentecostal, and um, she's crazy as a shithouse rat. That, that's no joke. I'm down to uh, one minute and 30, 31 seconds. Um, oh, damn. I'm, you guys I'm have uh, a great week. I apologize for the short notice. I just, um, I lost my temper. It's sometimes that happens. Well, you have I'm gonna rename this. I'm gonna re, I'm gonna rename this whole show Dick Privilege. <laughs> oh, okay. For, um, <laughs> oh, it wouldn't take it. <laughs> um, uh, I will probably be back on Friday, provided I don't have another headache. And um, actually, maybe not because. Going to be it'll be the day after Christmas, so it will just depend mm-hmm. on how much my um, family annoys me on that Thursday. What will happen on that Friday? Um, and you guys oh, have a great week. You have a shut up and sit down. humans on earth can't all like the same drink that's why circle k has polar pop and froster pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you polar pop and froster just 79 cents each at circle k limited time only at participating locations the starlight lounge presents an evening with the progressive box yeah that's hugo tickling the ivories he just saved by bundling home and auto with progressive gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours hugo Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.